Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 142. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Ross Bentley. Ross, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Uh, You betcha. Uh, Green, green, green. Let's go. All right. Love it. Ross Bentley is a race car driver, a driving coach, and a high-performance driving instructor. His website, Speed Secrets, is a landing page for anybody wanting to learn how to be better and faster in the car. He's raced against Mario Andretti, Al Unser Jr., Bobby Rahal, Emerson Fittipaldi, Paul Tracy, Rick Mears, and many others. Ross has driven Indy cars, GT sports cars, and he won the 1998 U.S. Road Racing Championship and the 2003 Daytona 24-hour race. He's passionate about helping others perform better in the car and on the racetrack. He's written nine books under the Speed Secrets title, and all of them focus on how to be a better driver. And I'm proud to say many of his books are sitting on my library shelf. So, Ross, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you please take a moment and share some more about your history, your career, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, passion for automobiles is a bit of an understatement here, I think. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I think it is. Uh, you know, I went to my very first race when I was five years old. My father took me there to a, a local uh, short track oval track. And this was, I, I'm from Vancouver, Canada, track that no longer exists, but it was a little, uh, I think, quarter mile um, paved oval track, almost in downtown Vancouver, which, you know, it's probably a high rise now, but uh took me when I was there when I was five years old and you know to this day I can I can still smell the you know the the exhaust the oil the tires I mean I can I can smell everything I can still hear it and I can uh, especially recall this vision of this one driver that his throttle stuck and he went boom into oh. into the wall and crashed through the wall and yeah you know as a five-year-old kid I mean this was just like the coolest thing in the world just all of this stuff going on and I suppose it was that at that moment in time where I went, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going to do my entire life. Wow. Um, you know, and then just, you know, my father built race cars. So every weekend, 
through the season i was at a racetrack with my dad oval track uh short track oval racing super modified sprint cars all in the northwest so washington british columbia alberta we kind of traveled around the the circuit uh, what was then called the canadian american modified racing association yeah. um it's where drivers like tom sneva came from so yeah. grew up around that and you know, it was it was never a matter of, you know, will I go racing? It was just a matter of when. And, you know, finally I got to an age where I could go racing and went to racing school, came back, started, started my own racing and actually started. The funny story is here is I, I came back from this racing school and my dad was crewing, building this um, uh, super modified for a driver. This driver, he got sick, unfortunately, his kidneys failed and he no longer could race. So he turned to me and said, hey, you've been to a racing school. I'd gone to the Jim Russell Racing School at Willow Springs in California. Uh-huh. So I'd driven a little Formula Ford on an oval track. And he came back and said, hey, do you want to drive a 700-horsepower super modified? Oh, my gosh. Um, and the funny, interesting thing is, is that the dr- that driver was the driver who had crashed through the wall in that first race when I was five. No way. And he had become friends with my father. So oh my gosh. kind of all came around there, and I raced that. Uh, one of my first race went on, and it was just, you know, I've spent my entire uh the last uh 30 something years uh driving race cars but the one thing that happened when i went to that very first racing school was i i came away from that going that's just kind of cool there are people teaching people how to drive race cars what a cool thing that is yeah and they actually asked me if i wanted to become an instructor um one of the instructors kind of pulled me aside and said hey if you want to race don't do it yeah <laughs> uh go home and go racing so which is what i did but it kind of put that thought in the back of my mind of teaching others and along the way through my racing career to help support myself I began teaching other people and I found that I got the same thrill from teaching others to drive cars quickly efficiently well as as I got the same thrill and so I you know I think there's a lot of people that go through life never finding their passion. Mm-hmm. I think I found two of them, driving <laughs> and teaching others. So, Oh my gosh, you're a fortunate guy. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, I just, I, I love everything about performance, human performance, car performance. And, you know, I say really, I'm a performance geek. I, I just love everything about performance and helping people and individuals and groups and cars perform better. So yeah. that's, what, that's what I get a kick out of. Oh, awesome. I love that story. Great story. Great story. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with my guests with a success quote. And this is something that's been perhaps instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ross, take the wheel. Uh, An inspirational quote. Let's see. I I guess I kind of – there's actually two of them, unfortunately. Uh, That's good. I love quotes. uh, The first one is the the famous quote that – Albert Einstein was apparently given credit for, although I just read recently that he may not have said it exactly, but the quote was, a sure sign of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something to change. (laughs) Yes. And and I see race drivers doing that all the time. They go on the track and they're getting seat time. But really what they're doing is they're going around the track doing the same thing they've done before in the past. And and they expect that they're going to get better doing that. And that's sort of been my whole approach to coaching is, look, we've got to change this. We've got to come up with a different strategy so that you actually improve rather than just keep doing the same thing. So that's been one of them. The other one I love is the author Margaret 
Drabel said, when nothing is sure, everything is possible. Mm. <laughs> I love and that. And for a learning junkie like me, that just, uh, I, I, I love that because it's, you know, I look at everything as possible. We just, you know, you know, if it's kind of like, well, I haven't figured out how to how to jump off the roof of my house yet and flap my arms and fly. It's just because I haven't figured it out yet. Yes. It's not because it can't be done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wonderful quotes. And, you know, something comes to mind. I used to race vintage cars, raced a, a Lotus Formula Junior, and I had a, a mentor, if you will, another gentleman named Dick Buckingham who raced it with the Sovereign Group up here in the Pacific Northwest. And I was frustrated because I wasn't getting better with my time and and he told me what basically you were saying with your first quote. He said, you know what? Break later, break later, break. And I said, well, I think I'm breaking as late as I can. He goes, no, you're not. He said, just count 1,001 and then do the breaks and try that a few times. And then 1,001, 1,002. And all of a sudden I came in and I'm knocking seconds off. So yeah, I was doing the same thing over and over again and not improving. So I did something different. So yeah, fantastic. Would you share with me a story that instigated your passion for cars you talk about when you were five years old and maybe you've already answered this question but that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy well obviously that first race when i was five but i do remember oh it would have been i would have been maybe nine ten years old so four or five years later there was a fellow that was driving uh, the super modified that my dad was preparing and looking after and I can still see him today. He was kind of that uh, all-American quarterback, you know, blonde hair, brushed back, uh, big, huge smile. And he was an incredible driver. And I remember being at my dad's shop one day and Larry, the fellow that this driver, he showed up driving a 66 Austin Healey 3000, mm. you know, the blue with the silver wire wheels. And it was, you know, nice sunny day, top down. Come on, hop in. I got in a car with him, and I remember him accelerating away and shifting up through the big four-speed, but yep. then reaching over and flicking the electric overdrive. <laughs> hearing that big, you know, the six-cylinder, the Austin Healey, just kind of that sound. And, uh, you know, man, yeah. that, you know. <laughs> that was it. Well, that was it. And, I, you know, I kind of joked that, uh, you know, I was probably at that age when, you know, starting to think about girls. But, you know, that day, forget girls. Austin Healey 3000, that's it. Yeah, you know, it's so many times when an adult takes a little kid on a ride in a special car, that that just turns a key for them. You know, just, oh my gosh, I can't believe he took me for a ride. I've had the same thing happen to me when I was a kid. And it's so nice when people do that because it just sets you on a course. And in your case, it boy, it really sets you on a course. <laughs> yeah, re re reinforced it or uh, we joke about, you know, push the needle in the arm a little farther. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ross, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and maybe get our hands a little dirty out. I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. But more importantly, share with me how you overcame that and what you learned from it. So, you know, from, from that early age, I grew up reading about, uh, you know, remember, you know, the old wide world of sports and, you know, they'd show the Indy 500. And I mean, Indy, Indy was everything to me. I mean, it was just, it was, you know, it was, it was where the gods drove race cars, right? Sure. AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti, you know, that, you know, it's just, it was, it was incredible. Um, so I kind of grew up with the Indy 500 was, that's where I needed to be. And but I started road racing after my first experience driving a Super Modifieds and then went into racing, doing some road racing in Formula Fords and won a bunch of races and kind of got 
pegged as, you know, the next Canadian that's going to go somewhere, um, you know, and you start thinking about Formula One and all that kind of stuff. But Indy was always there. So my entire life was, you know, thinking about getting to Indy. Uh, my career, you know, I'd love to say that it was nice and smooth and I just got went there and, you know, took a couple of years and boom, I was there. But uh, that would be lying because I spent a lot of years driving underfunded cars. I was always trying to put together you know, a good strong season where I could really showcase my talents over the full course of a season and never could get the the funding to do that. But through a number of years, putting partial seasons together, showing well where I could, uh, you know, I finally got an opportunity when it was actually when the Molson Indy race happened in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a group of people in Vancouver that said, wouldn't it be great if Vancouver, a Vancouver driver was in that race. I was there, you know, at the right time and a bunch of people helped me get in that race. So the next couple of years, I struggled trying to put together a program to, to race in IndyCars. But finally, in 1993, I had my chance to go to Indy and it was going to be very underfunded. It was with a small team, Dale Coyne Racing, who has gone on to some success since, but that time was very, very, was, was the, the least funded team in the, in the series. So Went there, and we were doing okay with an older car. The day before the first weekend of qualifying, um, I go out for a practice session. My teammate, Eric Bachelor, he and I both leave pit lane at the same time. We're coming around on the second lap. I'm up to speed. Between turns three and four, all of a sudden, it's like I've walked into a blast furnace, and my car caught fire. Oh, no. A methanol, a fuel line with methanol, I cracked and was spraying methanol fuel into the cockpit and it ignited. Oh so basically, my gosh. dumping fuel on me and I was on fire at 220 something miles an hour. Oh man. By the time I got stopped, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> out, I'd, I'd ended up with uh, second degree burns. I was spent, I guess, three days spent qualifying weekend in, in intensive care. Oh my gosh. You know, and I can remember the kind of getting up the next morning or waking up the next morning in, in intensive care and the doctor saying, well, you might be able to race in six weeks. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> got to go back to track and qualify this weekend. Yeah. So it was a huge, well, you know, still made an attempt, actually, actually got back in the car a week later and tried making an attempt in qualifying the following weekend, but uh, we missed by half a mile an hour. Oh. But it was one of those, uh, you know, you do everything you can, right. and sometimes things don't work out. Yeah. Um, oh my but gosh. you kind of just keep plugging along and keep pushing along. And, you know, we had some okay races, but, um, you know, it was about, I guess it was, well, it was about a month later, it was actually that the Detroit race, the street circuit race. And again, I'm back in my you know, year two, two year old car that's kind of underfunded and not as competitive and uh, qualified. And I remember going back to the hotel and I get to going through the lobby and Al Anser Jr., who was, you know, he won Indy and was at the top of his game at the time, comes walk along and we both got in the elevator together and we're talking. And he said, you know, I saw what you did in qualifying today and Ayrton Senna would not have gotten more out of that car than you did today. Oh, wow. <laughs> and for that to come from a guy like, Unser, you yeah, know, yeah. it was kind of one of those, you know what, <laughs> Thank sometimes you. things don't go well, but you kind of just got to keep plugging away and pushing and making the best of it. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you sharing that very personal story. Oh my gosh, I was just sitting here goosebumps going, oh geez, it's horrible. It was like a Nikki Lauda moment, you yeah. know, 
Just terrible. But uh, yeah. let's do this. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. And I, I'd love for you to share a story when you had a real aha moment in your career. That time when you realized that an idea or concept or direction that you were moving was really going to make it. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into your success. You know, I talk about this quite often when I do a number of presentations for different companies and things. And, you know, there are two things that jump to mind. The very first one is, at that time through my career, I, I was really focused on finding sponsorship dollars and, you know, putting marketing plans, you know, proposals together, talking to marketing directors, all this kind of stuff. And I, I forget exactly why or how, but kind of this whole thing kind of just hit me one day in that what I really needed to do was focus on meeting the right people. Mm-hmm. And, and so I kind of changed, my, I guess, my whole strategy from trying to sell sponsorship to trying to connect with and meet the right people. And, you know, that, what I found out was when you're really passionate and you really want something badly and you're willing to do the right things, not the bad things, but the right things to get there, mm-hmm. people are willing to help you. Yes. And the more I got out there and met people and shared my passion and desire and everything with other people, the more I found that a lot of people wanted to help me. So I realized how important the people that you surround yourself with are. And, you know, I mean, obviously within racing, it's all about teamwork and things. So I really found out that, you know, it is it is the people. Yeah. The other part of that or the other piece, I guess, is when I was do, it, racing Indy cars and trying to find my, my little edge, you know, I really worked on the mental game, kind of that whole, you know, how to get the best performance out of yourself when you don't have the best of equipment is really what I was looking for. And, sure. you know, worked a lot in kind of the areas around sports psychology and educational kinesiology, all these different areas that are kind of around the mind game, mm-hmm. mental game. And what I realized as I then started to teach that to others is performance is performance. It doesn't matter whether you're driving a race car, playing the piano, in a business, running a business, or managing people. It's all about performance. And I guess that's when I really had that aha moment of, I'm a performance geek. I just love seeing high performance <laughs> and being around that and helping other people perform better. And, I, you know, sometimes, I, you know, I, I kind of sit back and I go, I mean, you know, I've done a, a non-scientific uh, survey when I go into different companies and, and ask the question, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how well are you performing? And I would say that most people say, oh, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, so if if our country, countries, are performing at a seven or eight, what would happen if we just bumped that up to an eight or a nine? Think about where our, where we would be as a society if all of us just improved 10%. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a fantastic thing that would be. And that, that's one of the things that kind of drives me whether it's in the driving world or the business world, is helping people perform that little bit better. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I guess that's kind of where the aha came from uh, moment was is when I realized that's really what this is all about. It's, it's about performance. So many golden nuggets in what you just shared that are so fitting to entrepreneurial spirit and business in general and life in general. Fantastic. Love that. How about proudest moments I'm sure you've had many, so many in your career and in your life. Is there one that you could share with me that really stands out in your mind? 
you know, I, I guess in some ways, surprisingly, it's not when I'm driving a, a car myself. I mean, I've had some great moments driving cars and, you know, it's pretty cool and winning some races and championship stuff. But, you know, I this year, this past year, so I coach a, a gentleman driver, you know, he's 50-ish, started racing about six years ago, you know, because he had the resources, he's he's playing in the top level, you know, in sports car racing. He's racing in the prototype category in the Tudor United Sports Car Championship. Um, I coach him, you know, he's a CEO of a large company and, but, you know, in that, in that, uh, level of racing, everybody's a pro, Mm -hmm. every driver. I mean, you know, you've got every, every car, there's two drivers in each of the cars or more in the longer races. And, but they're, you know, they're all pros. And my driver is a, you know, again, a gentleman who took up the sport six years ago. Right. And this year, his teammate. Johannes von Overbeck was an incredible driver, put the car on the pole at Laguna Seca and had started the race on the pole. Everyone was like, you know, wow, you know, you know, how many turns will it be before he's in 10th spot? Well, he held on to the lead for a number of laps. When he got out of the car and handed over to Johannes, he was 11 seconds out of the lead. He had driven the wheels off the car <laughs> and kept up there and hung with the pros all the way through there. Wow. And they ended up winning the race and it was just oh, incredibly... Wow. Yeah. Or yeah. moment to see this fellow that put so much effort into it, but, you know, drove the wheels off the car. And, you know, I've had those kind of moments with teens and coming up through the wheel, but through the field and everything. But, you know, to see uh, a fellow at that level. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. That it was just, it was an incredible experience. So. Oh, I can see. Oh, wonderful. I love that. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And maybe you could share a memory that you had with that vehicle. Uh, first special car. Well, my very first car was a 1966 Mini Cooper. Um, <laughs> oh, fun. My older brother owned it, and uh, it was not in very good shape. In fact, it was broken suspension sitting in our driveway when I turned 16. And so I fixed it and put it back together, and that was that became my first car. But really, I guess my second car was is the one that, uh, you know, was the love of my life. It's a 1969 Lotus Elan. Ooh. And uh, absolutely just... I mean, to look at that car, it is just absolutely incredibly beautiful. Driving that car is was magic driving that car. The downside is it was a 69 Lotus, and uh, <laughs> yes. uh, just about bankrupted me in about a year. So yeah, rebuilt it uh, um, while I drove it, uh, but uh, I'd spend eight hours fixing it, and for the eight minutes that I got to drive, it was all fun. <laughs> oh, I understand. I understand. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go in your life that you really wish you could have back in your garage? Uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, no, there isn't. Oh, uh, you're a lucky you know, guy then. <laughs> well, you know, I love all the cars that I've owned and everything, but but I'm never one who kind of looks backwards. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. seller's remorse, well, maybe it's a, it, it, that's more about, I think about what's my next car going to be. Um, uh, so, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not... I don't look back very often, so... Well, you're a race car driver, that's why. <laughs> yeah, got to look forward, you know, yeah. got to look ahead. Well, good. Well, I'm happy to hear that. How about current projects? Is there a project that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Wow. Uh, yeah, every day. Um, <laughs> you know, I've always got really interesting, fun coaching clients that I work with at all levels, from beginners to very advanced, high-level, pro-level. But um, there's two things that I'm actually working on. One is... I'm working to develop some online courses 
for performance drivers. Oh, wow. And I think it's just, you know, technology's gotten to that point where, you know, you're at the racetrack and you're going, oh, you know, I got to go a little faster. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, breaking, breaking later. And, you know, like until somebody comes along and tells you that, you don't know. But wouldn't it be cool if you're there and now with a smartphone or an iPad or whatever, you just go and you go, hmm. And there's video tips and all this information that I've been providing in person. Right. Uh, if I can build that into an online course. So I'm working on developing that, hoping that uh, the plan is to announce or to launch that next year at some point. Very cool. Uh, I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about another project that's kind of still fairly under wraps, but I have a great concern with the the number and the types of... The, the great thing about our sport is it's so accessible. The bad news is it's so accessible that... Anybody gets onto a track and anybody announces themselves and says, now I'm an instructor and I'm going to teach you how to drive fast. And unfortunately, in the last couple of years, we've had a couple of deaths. We've had a number of injuries. We've had a lot of people, a lot of uh, property damaged and vehicles damaged. And unless we begin to police ourselves, mm-hmm. like every other sport does, you know, if you take up diving, skiing, tennis, golf, everything, instructors are certified there's proper training they've gone through all this kind of stuff in the high performance driving world it's kind of like hey you're a fast driver you're now an instructor ah i see and and i want to i'm i'm working to help to while i don't like politics and i don't like lots of rules and regulations i think there's a time and a place for some just to help um let's say weed out some of the bad apples and I'm really excited about uh, um, getting that underway over the next year. Awesome. Ah, sounds fantastic. That sounds great. Great idea, too. All right, here's an interesting question for you. It can have a little bit of fun. It's a little bit revealing of how you feel about yourself. If you were a car, Ross, what kind of car would you be and why? Uh, well, could I be this year's uh, uh, Mercedes Formula One car? <laughs> well, if that's how you perceive yourself, of course. No, no. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, you know, I'd love to say I'm a Lotus because I'm 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 fast and nimble and efficient and all that kind of stuff. But I'd like to think I'm a little more reliable than that. So. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I guess I'd be a BMW. You know, it's you know they're not always the most exciting cars, but you know they perform well and they're reliable at the same time. You know, sure, sure, I understand. I've driven BMWs for years. I love them. I've got an M3 that. I've enjoyed on the track, and uh, they're good all-around cars. I mean, they yeah. just, you know, you can go down and get coffee in them if you want, or you can go fast in them. So Exactly, yeah. Yeah, great. All right, good choice. Okay, Ross, we're ending what I call the last lap. And you're a racer. You know what that means. The white flag is out. Got to get our foot down. This is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure. Okay. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Have fun. <laughs> I love it. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes? Uh, personal habits, uh, success. In business, I'm passionate about wowing the customer. Mm-hmm. I want to go sort of, you know, there's what people expect. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to give them what's unexpected. Perfect. Something just a little extra. And that's always sort of been my my goal in business is to wow customers. and. You know, on the bottom line, just be real in who you are. And that's, you know, the, what's, the, what's the saying? Uh, uh, be yourself. Yep. Um, everybody else is taken. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I love it. 
How about resources? Is there one in particular that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website or a blog that you receive? Uh, wow. So I always joke that, uh, you know, if you went into Amazon.com's headquarters, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a photo of me on the wall that says our best customer. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mentioned earlier, I think that I'm a, I'm a learning junkie. So I'm, I, I love to read. I read tons and tons of books. And uh, you know, so I'm always looking at, uh, you know, where can I learn? So I, I, I guess I just, I think books are the, the cheapest investment in improving somebody's performance that you can out there. Sure. Yeah. You can buy a book for 20 bucks. And if you get one tiny little glimmer of something from it, boy, that's a great investment. Absolutely. Well, speaking of books, and you love books, this might be hard, but if you could just give our listeners one book resource that you've really enjoyed in the past, what would it be? Other than your books, of course. We'll talk about those in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Other than my book. You know, there, uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm really, I really love to understand how our minds work and things. And I guess there's actually two books there that I, I really I find fascinating. One book is called Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck. Um, there's another book called The Brain That Changes Itself. It's all around um, by Norman Doidge, I believe his name is, um, around how, you know, our brains are plastic you know they're the whole field of neuroplasticity which you know is all about how we can continue to mold and change and improve our brains where we used to think that it was all about you know you reach a certain age and it's all downhill from there <laughs> nah none of that anymore i mean right. we can continue to improve and change and grow to the day we stop yeah. you know so i think uh, you know those are great places and then you know there's a few uh, uh websites that i just love to visit on a regular basis as much for entertainment and you know, just keeping it up to date and everything that's going on motorsport-wise. What are those? Maybe you can just give us one or two. Uh, you know, I, I love in the sports car world, sportscar365.com um, sports oh, okay. is an amazing website for, you know, the latest and greatest news uh, in the sports car uh, racing world. Um, racer.com is kind of where I go and get my general news. Uh, I love uh, uh, Axis of Oversteer. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's a fun site and there's always something interesting there. You know, one hot lap. Uh, I love that one. Winding road. Uh, you know, I just uh, <laughs> goes on yeah. and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Well, I'll remind our listeners: you can find links to all these resources at carsyacom slash Ross Bentley. And you've got a series of books. Before I go to the checkered flag here, you've written a whole series of books, Speed Secrets. Can you give us just a quick glimpse? We're going to obviously have links to those, but what those books are about. So I never intended ever to write a book in my life. Uh, you know, I probably in high school, I would have been voted most unlikely to ever write a book. Uh, <laughs> but through the years and starting my own racing school and performance driving school, I created some, you know, handouts and they kind of grew and grew and grew. And while I was racing indie cars, I was making a bunch of notes and they kind of all got morphed into this one big document. And I shared it with a couple of friends. And this one friend was a journalist and he says, man, this is a great book. And I'm like, yeah, right. And he says, I'm going <laughs> to hand it off to a publisher friend of mine who came back and said, hey, we want to publish this. So that's how my very first Speed Secrets book was ever published. It was kind of never really intended to be a book until it was like, we want to publish it. And then I sat down and kind of polished it and made it into a book. But at that time, I went, that's it. I've written a book. And I don't know, less than a year later, I started going, but there's all the mental game piece that we hadn't hadn't really covered. So I wrote that one and then with a friend of mine, Ron Langford, and then, you know, kind of just kept uh, writing. And, and now I've found that kind of 
I guess one of my creative outlets outlets is writing. And because I travel probably 150,000 miles a year, I spend a lot of time on airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get on a plane and I start writing. And believe it or not, there are times that I'm like, darn, we're landing. I'm right in the middle <laughs> of some pretty great writing here. So, Well, I'll tell you something. When I decided I wanted to go racing, I first went to some lapping days with the BMW Club to see if I was comfortable at speed. And I decided, you know what, I like this. I'm going to have some fun. And I started racing vintage cars. And one of my friends gave me your first book, Speed Secrets. He said, hey, read this. I found it to be useful. So you kind of helped me along my journey there. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, that's kind of what, uh, I guess, what motivates me to do more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Ross, this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, but money's no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you want today. What would that vehicle be and why? Funny, I've asked other people that question. <laughs> uh, and my, my answer, hands down, easy. Ford GT40. Oh, uh, yes. You know, I grew up, uh, as I said, you know, reading a lot of car magazines and, you know, the whole Ford versus Ferrari battles at Le Mans in the 60s. I remember reading all about that. And the Ford GT40 is just one of the most beautiful cars ever built, I believe. And I just think they're awesome. So I'd love a, I'd love a GT40. All right. Well, that's a great choice. They are gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful cars. I've never had the pleasure of driving one, but I've got to sit in a few and got to be a passenger riding around on a track in one. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. Great choice. Great choice. Yep. Well, Ross, you great, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and with the listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that GT40? Well, probably the, the thing that I say to every coaching client, have fun, and there's always more. <laughs> great. I love it. I love it. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you do and to get their hands on your books? Uh, speedsecrets.com. Pretty much everything is on there. You know, I have a weekly newsletter called Speed Secrets Weekly. Ooh, clever. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. And, uh, and it's been fantastic because not only do I write in it, but each week I have a guest contributor write uh, a piece. And, you know, guest contributors from, you know, David Brabham to... Uh, you know, a, a, a sim racer, you know, a, sim, a guy that races in simulators or only to top world-class uh, race engineers talking about data and car setup to, um, you know, somebody that organizes uh, high-performance driver education, HPDE events. So I uh, always have these great, cool, interesting uh, things in it. So speedsecretsweekly.com as well. So speedsecrets.com, speedsecretsweekly.com. All right. Do you have a Facebook page as well? Uh, yeah, if you look up uh, Facebook, uh, I think it's slash driver coach and or speed seekers because they end up, um, you'll find it under driver coach or speed secrets. But uh, okay. um, I, and I post a ton of, uh, you know, just free tips and all sorts of things, both on my website and on my Facebook page. So I'd love people to go to the, find me on Facebook because that's where the latest stuff will be. Awesome. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Ross has been so kind to share with me today at carsyad.com slash Ross Bentley. Ross, thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and taking me on some great laps around the track here today. I've had great fun and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. This has been fun. Real blast. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!